Welcome back. And we are going to be continuing our discussion on how you can run a coalition successfully and plan for long-term self-sustainability. Philip, what were the key things that came up in our last discussion? Thank you. Um, we have we had an amazing speaker in our last discussion, and uh, we are glad to still have them. And um, in the very first episode, we spoke about setting up a consortium. Yeah, mm. to begin with, but also we spoke about the element of finance, which is very very important. You called it the fuel of a consortium. Mm-hmm. That is true, um, and then we also talked about the operationalization. So beyond setting up and maybe finding finances, how do you operationalize? What are some of the you know the small small um, elements to look out for? You know, we talked about collaborative tools that you can use to. You know, especially now that you're in a remote working era, but also maybe consortium members are across regions, across borders. Mm-hmm. You know, some some of the collaborative tools you can use. And now I want us to focus on sustainability. Um, from what we've been discussing, for a consortium to attain success, there there are a few key stages. Of course, we talked about planning, building, managing, and sustaining. Each of these stages will succeed based on activities and initiatives running at this stage, right? Lucy, what are some of the activities that you believe are essential for the self-sustaining stage for for, for consortiums? Once you've once you've gotten the finances, you've operationalized. Beyond that, how do you ensure sustainability of a consortium? Wow, that's that's a very actually that the question that we are talking about now is you know a question that a lot of people are discussing every day you know across the world uh, in donor organizations, civil society organizations everywhere. It's a very difficult question, um, but from my point of view, um, a civil society organization is actually just a business model like like any other business model, right? Mm-hmm. So you have a, instead of getting revenue from customers, you are relying from revenue from donors or grants or, or, or philanthropy or charity, right? But it's also a business model. So, I mean, I have run a company. I've also run an NGO myself. And, and for me, there's not such a big difference, actually. Uh, because both of them are just different business models. And basically, you should approach it the same way, meaning that you should have a strategic planning, uh, you know, cycle that you go through. So with your owners or like the people who own your organization, so in this case, maybe the consortium, you should sit down on a regular basis and say, um, is this business model working? And if it's not, how can we make it better? And what are our projections, you know, for the next couple of years, exactly how you, when you're running a business and you're in the the board, uh, the, you know, the managing director has to present, you know, these are our projections for the next couple of years. And then the board discuss exactly the same way you should be doing it in a consortium. So you should be saying, okay, we want, um, in order to achieve our, you know, goals, visions, whatever, we need this kind of money. Um, How are we, you know, what are the strategies? How are we going to get it over the next couple of years? Think beyond that one project, you know, mm-hmm. think beyond that one opportunity, but look at your consortium or your, your NGO as, as a business and say, okay, five years, where are we going to be? 10 years, where do we want to be? Now, break it down, two years, okay, to make it through the next two years or maybe three years, um, what are your, our revenue needs? And then make clear strategies on how to get there. 
right? So one of them, uh, and here, of course, you have, uh, instead of now, for example, increasing on marketing to reach more customers or going into new markets or increasing your price, you know, there are many, many options. Um, as, as a consortium, you might have to look at different approaches. For example, how do we network better? How do we find, uh, you know, those, those connections? How do we work on our communication strategy so that more people know about us and they know about what we do? Um, how do we identify grants, you know, that are uh, suitable? But again, you know, how do we select those grants and those opportunities that make sense to us? Because also if jumping on every single grant, the same way that it, as a company, if you try to respond to every single tender, you will, you will, you know, bury yourself in, 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 in paperwork and there's a very little, uh, little um, uh, probability that you're actually going to win those tenders. So the same way you evaluate a tender, uh, you evaluate a grant and say, okay, how much is it? How much is the effort? Do we have the capability? Is it worth it? Yes or no? If it's not worth it, leave it aside, you know? So, and, but all this has to be guided by something. You are not able to take those decisions unless you have a strategic direction. Yeah. So, so the strategic direction should, for example, be let us um, move more into, you know, we want to develop, we want to reach more people with, uh, you know, internet safety, uh, you know, internet safety awareness raising materials. Right. Uh, if you find a grant on something completely different, leave it. Right. Because it's not part of your strategic direction. You need to focus. One of the things that I've learned the most after running a couple of companies and projects and, and organizations is that your focus is key because your key people are few and, and their energy is very precious. So you need to make sure that you yourself and your key people focus their energies on where it has the biggest possibility to bring, you know, sustainability, uh, both in terms of finances and other things, to your organization. How do you do that? You need the strategic direction. So that's why I'm back to make this, make those strategic plans, make those objectives, change them as well. Of course, after a year, things have changed. You have tried something, you have failed. Go and change them. But have those, you know, um, strategic processes with your key people and set out these directions and then try something and then evaluate and try something else. And, and um, uh, let me tell you, like, I have had a couple of pivots, uh, you know, in terms of uh, strategic direction. You, you try something and you miserably fail um, and you have to pivot and it's very painful. but. It, it, at the end of the day, your organization comes out stronger. And, and that's not different from a business um, to a, a consortium or a, a civil society organization. It's actually exactly the same. Thank you so much, Lucy. Uh, I think you make very, very good points. Um, I like that you mentioned you ask us to treat consortiums and civil society you treat consortiums just like any other business. Just like you ran your side hustle and you didn't let it fail. You'll be very intentional on communication, be very intentional on evaluation. Do I reduce price? Do I go hard on, uh, you know, looking for more customers? Even in consortiums, you should run them like businesses, have a business model, evaluate uh, once in a while, what have we done? What have we done right? What haven't we done right? And I think that will go directly into ensuring your sustainability. Um, you've also spoken about very, being very, very intentional and um, focusing energies on one thing. 
Um, I like that because I've seen several consortiums, even organizations that are jumping onto every grant that comes up. Before you know you've lost your identity as an organization, what do you do? But also, um, in, in the case of a consortium, you're, you're having people that have other jobs. You know, they're part of other organizations. And if you're going to have them occupied every time writing grants, each and every grant every time that comes out, then you're going to lose out the meaning. Given the, you know, the the zeal to work on these things will get will get lost. So focus on the works that matter. Focus your energies on the works that matter. And it's also very clear for you to identify what exactly are we, what do we do? Are we in uh, communications? Are we a, consult, a consortium on communication around a certain area? Are we focusing on digital security? So that's very key. Thank you so much. Uh, yeah. Uh- yeah, I completely, completely agree. Um, I've, I've also worked in all of these different spaces. I've worked as a public servant. I've worked, um, I've had, a, I've been an entrepreneur with a startup that was winning severely at some point and then failing at another point. Um, and it doesn't matter where you are. Ultimately, everybody just wants to stay alive. Right? The business needs to keep living. Um, but... I think what most of us don't do is we don't really share the challenges, the real challenges. You know, most of these spaces you go to, you listen to people telling you, work hard, you'll succeed. (laughs) Plan well, you'll succeed. But the reality is every single success story has its pitfalls. And um, as someone who's worked in different spaces with different coalitions and different partnerships, um, I would like for you to share some of those challenges, some of those moments that made you feel like, oh my goodness. This is this is insanity <laughs> or those moments where you come so close to quitting because a lot of coalitions out there. The project is done. There's misunderstandings within the team. There's misalignment. And they're like, you know what? We had a good one, two, three years. Mm-hmm. I think it's about time we just call it quits. Um, and so we want to speak to those um, those people who are at that stage. Yeah. To say, hey, um, those challenges are not unique to you. So, you know, and it might be another challenge. So what are some of the key challenges that you've faced in this journey that you believe other people listening in can learn from? Yeah, you're so right. I mean, there are always so many moments when you are, you know, <laughs> uh, oh my gosh, is it, how is this happening to me? You know, what yeah. do I do now? Um, yes, and, and it's especially difficult when it actually affects, you know, maybe livelihoods of other people. Maybe you have to let other people go. Mm-hmm. And that's very, very difficult. It's it's very difficult and it takes a, lot, a, a huge uh, personal toll on you as well. Um, for example, uh, one time in one of the companies we had, we had... Um, uh, to, we tried to get into a new market, uh, sort of market segment, because we were looking, we were struggling with making sense of our, you know, current business model. It wasn't um, showing enough a sort of project profit margin. So we were, you know, we needed to go into something else. So we tried uh, to go in a different way. We secured a little bit of investment and we... Um, uh, then, you know, hired quite a number of people, started training them um, and started, you know, going out and looking for customers only to realize that, you know, the assumptions we had made were really not true on the ground. And uh, the customers, they needed it. Uh, they needed what we were trying to sell them. But for various reasons that we had not expected, they were really not willing to pay for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so after a couple of months, uh, we started getting huge cash flow problems. 
and uh you know and and we actually had to <clears throat> shut down the whole thing and we had to in one day um we had to let nine people go Oof, and that was like a really low moment uh, i would say um uh and we worked uh, i i think i spent like three weeks almost locked up with a financial manager just crunching numbers crunching numbers because we're trying every single possibility to to avoid this you know but also not only that we needed to know exactly you know what where were we and and, and in what direction are we going so we were really um yeah really trying to get deep 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 into the financials understanding what what went wrong uh what do we need to change where are the opportunities uh and how do we just now like salvage this ship you know i had to go to the landlord and negotiate uh you know rent um you know breaks and you know like it was really at the point where we couldn't pay anything so um yeah those i think those uh such kind of um experiences they also teach you a lot and and one of the things that it really taught me was planning much more on the financials like be ahead always be ahead like 3 4 months uh projecting you know what's happening but obviously that's also not possible if you don't have the numbers so you have to like be on your accounts team all the time so that you have the latest numbers and then from there, you know, you're able to, to to do these projections and draw these conclusions. And another thing that it also taught me was that, um, you know, it's really, really super important who you are on this journey with. Uh, because at that time, I mean, luckily, um, I was the managing director, but we had a, a board of people that were supporting me. And um, it was really quite incredible how everybody, uh, you know, came in and supported uh, in different ways, but on also next to you know other things that they were doing, um, but or not only support in terms of um, you know moral support, but also you know these like bringing in their experience, and these were all experienced people. So um, I think when you are setting up your consortium or when you are setting up your board uh, or the people that you are with, you know, think about who those people are and make sure that you select people who can bring in experience uh, from, you know, previous uh, ventures and organizations and projects, but also people who are passionate about what you're doing and willing to be there in those difficult times uh, and support you as well. Wow. Um, I wish I had listened to some of this advice when I had my startup some years back. Um, unfortunately for me, I had to let everybody go and shut it down. Um, and, and as I keep going, you, you know, through numbers. life, I should have crunched numbers, yeah. right? I, I didn't think about that. That's something that you just you just want to work. You're working with passion. There's a problem you want to solve, and that's all you're thinking about. Um, but the numbers, man, the numbers. The teachers yeah. in primary also, school want to But it's also always about people problems. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Who's not coming through, who has done this, and also conflicts. I think those are things also people should look out for. Yeah, Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, just uh, before we close, um, there is uh, something that is very critical um, in order for you to run a successful coalition business initiative, which is monitoring and evaluation. 
Um, it's like the pulse check. Are you moving in the right direction? So checking on finances is one way, but monitoring what's happening and how it's happening and then evaluating your growth and how you're, you know, you're sticking to your strategy, something that's very, very key. Um, could you just share something about M&E? Yes, absolutely. I think, um, of course, any business, like you say, you have to be monitoring uh, what is happening. But in in sort of the the grants world, M mm. and E has a whole different role. Mm-hmm. Uh, the reason for that is that um, you know, in when you run a business, you have uh, KPIs in terms of you know uh, growth or customers or revenue. Uh, basically, you know your 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 bottom line needs to be like this, and and you you so forth. Now, in in a grant funded project, you don't have that. You have a money, mm. right? Because you're 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 the only you know KPIs you need to meet is that impact mm. that you have been given this grant for. So that's one of the areas where. Um, like you know this this world of of grants and donors is is fundamentally different from the business world mm-hmm. because you're not working for the for to i mean the the clear definition is when you have a company you are basically creating value for the shareholders that is why you are running that company but when you are running a a, a donor funded organization or initiative or consortium the reason of your being is impact the reason for your being is the impact. Now, impact is an intangible thing. So how does that impact become tangible? Through M and E. So that's why M and E has to be up there for you the same way that creating value for shareholders is for a company. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And very a lot of people fail to see that because they are like, oh, yeah, we'll hire an M&E officer or maybe give that task like to someone who can do it on the site yeah. <laughs> next what to something end? else. Yeah. 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 Towards the end, you just make sure we have this report, you know, but that's not how it works because M&E is the reason for your, is, is what makes the reason of your being concrete mm-hmm. and come to life. So it is absolutely crucial. And even the, Top, top management should be very, very deeply knowledgeable about your indicators. And that's super important because that is your guidance. That is how you create that impact for that donor who you have promised, you know. So uh, number one, make sure you have the necessary capabilities in money in the in-house um, uh, for example, we at for example at Refactory, we we actually hired someone here locally in Uganda, very very great company, to carry out a training on M and E for everybody because we realized that a lot of people we hired we hired from the private sector, which we thought was great for Refactory because Refactory has an industry focus, but then those people obviously had no clue what M&E means in, in a donor uh, perspective. So we, we had a, a company come do workshops and they even had to carry out some uh, practical uh, tasks on collecting some data, analyzing it, and that was very, very valuable. So if you can, build it into your proposal even. If you know that you don't have huge capabilities on M&E, build it into your proposal, put some money there for M&E training and Ask maybe that consultant even to help you set up your m framework. That will even give your donor a huge, you know, confidence in you, uh, knowing that, you know, this is something that is going to be dealt with early in the project and in a professional way. Um, 
Then the, the second uh, pitfall, of course, is to wait with Emani until the end. Yeah. Yeah. Guilty. That is, oh. <laughs> I'm guilty as charged. That is the worst that before. thing. Yeah. When you have to go back and you have to ask, now, how many female participants mm-hmm. did we have yeah. on that event in 2020? You know? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. You start going to pictures and counting people on different pictures. And yeah. it, it's terrible. Yeah. So uh, it's so much easier when you... Get a really good overview over this from the beginning and you make sure that you you are on top of it Mm -hmm. and you collect this data as you go along. And uh, if you have the possibility of building your own M&E framework, because sometimes the M&E framework is given from, you know, the project or from the opportunity or whatever it is. What, but but many times you are expected as a consortium to set your own, you know, indicators as well. Um, When you have that opportunity, be very clever which indicators you choose and don't, you know, go out of hand and say, oh, it would be nice to know this. It would be nice to know that. No, you are the one who have to report on all this. So you're just creating work for yourself. Mm-hmm. Make sure you pick some few good indicators that have show very well the impact that you're supposed to show. And then make sure you have that data. Um, it will make life easier for you. Wow. Um, I wish we had like, um, like five episodes <laughs> because I'm learning a lot. And I hope that to our listeners out there that you are seated down wherever you are with your notebooks, with your gadgets, and you're writing down these things. Um, Lucy, thank you so much. This has been a very insightful conversation. And my key takeaways are around planning. Like you just have to be a stellar planner. If you are not going to be great at your planning right from the start, then there's going to be a lot of challenges along the way. So make sure you have very effective planning. Um, within amongst amongst the organizations the individuals also for you as an individual how are you aligning with you know the expectations from the pro, from the project from what you're about to do how are you aligning with the strategic plan beyond maybe this one project or these two projects so thank you so much lucy our listeners i really really hope that you have attained the value that i have attained from just this discussion and um, I would like to say thank you so much. Do you have any closing remarks for our listeners um, for people who would like to collaborate with you? What kind of collaboration are you open to um, engaging you know, with them on? Um, and yeah, and how, do, how do they reach out to you? Uh, wow. Um, well, first of all, uh, I would like to encourage people to always, you know, um, yeah, to, to persevere, you know, don't give up. Like if you have a passion, uh, yes, you, you will have to pivot and pivot and pivot and pivot, but keep pivoting, you know, mm-hmm. uh, don't give up because uh, I see so many great initiatives out there and um, so much, you know, energy and passion and, and, and also so much impact. So I would like to encourage everyone to continue what they're doing. Uh, um, now, in terms of uh, very concretely the the projects that I'm involved in at the moment, um, 
Uh, we are having some events uh, in Uganda next year, so we'll definitely reach out to the community uh, when those events come. Uh, there's going to be sort of a faster workshop, then some trainings, and then also uh, a sort of an idea hackathon where we hope to create linkages between European civil society organizations uh, um active in the digital space uh, and organizations here. So that's a great opportunity to create some of those uh, partnerships and, and, you know, consortiums that we have just been talking about. But in the meantime, um, you can also uh, follow the AU, EU D4D Hub uh, on social media, uh, on Twitter, on LinkedIn. Um, right now, uh, we have a campaign called um, uh, Girls in D4D. So we are trying to promote girls who have done something in digital, uh, you know, to support their communities. Uh, also, hopefully, with some sort of European perspective, trying to link those two things together. And we all have some really great visibility mm -hmm. uh, that we can offer to those girls that get selected uh, from that campaign. Uh, we also had recently uh, a competition for journalists in tech. Uh, it is now closed, but I'm sure we are going to launch similar things again. And on the 18th of March, we have a multi-stakeholder forum, which is a virtual event uh, talking about uh, digital transformation, very many interesting topics, interesting organizations and opportunities to learn and also to, to network uh, on the virtual platform and to, to, to meet new people and, and learn new things. Uh, so, yes, those are some of the things um, I can mention now. Uh, in terms of, of getting in touch, I mean, I'm also on, on social media. Uh, Lucy Bitete, you can, you can follow me and engage uh, on social media, uh, on Twitter, on LinkedIn. I'll be happy to, to um, respond. Thank you so much, Lucy. I think this has been one of my greatest conversations. Very, very informative. To our listeners, I want to encourage all of you to engage with the Digital Human Rights Lab across our social media platforms on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at the Digital Human Rights Lab. Uh, and we would love to hear from you and get your feedback about the podcasts and the episodes that, the episodes that we are putting out. That's, for, that's all from us today. Thank you so much for joining us. Stay tuned and look out for our next episodes as we present to you voices and perspectives of human rights defenders in Uganda. And do not forget to subscribe to our podcast. If, you, if, if this was the first time that you're listening in, please hit the subscribe button. And if you have feedback or need to learn more about the Digital Human Rights Lab, visit www.digitalhumanrightslab.org. That's www.digitalhumanrightslab.org. You can follow us on Twitter at DHR Lab, on Facebook, Digital Human Rights Lab, and on Instagram, DHR Lab. Until next time, from all of us here today, Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.